Welcome to Left, Right, and In Between, a political podcast by teens for everyone. Today, my guest is Rachel Pistol, who just graduated um, Sherman Oaks Center for Enriched Studies and is going to spend her gap year in Israel, which is pretty cool. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, this week, I have a few different topics. Some of them are a little bit like it's been happening over the past few weeks, I feel, because I know um, some of these things we're talking about, but we've also been talking about for a while. I think the first thing I want to talk about is just Biden, only because we're getting very close to the election. Um, will you be able to vote in November? No, I will not no. be 18 yet. But still, a lot of I know a lot of people may be able to vote. I just want to ask you, like, hypothetically, if you could vote, what are your opinions on Biden as a candidate? Obviously, he is our Democratic candidate, and he's going to choose his vice presidential candidate this week. So just what are your opinions on him? Um, so first, I just want to preface this with um, vote blue no matter who. Yes. Um, <laughs> Biden was not my first choice, not by a long run, um, but obviously he's better than Trump. So whatever kind of problems either I or other people have about him, um, it's still really important to vote for Biden when the time comes. Um, but I think since from the time that he started running, he, he's definitely improved a lot of his um, policies just because he understood that there were so many people who supported um, Bernie's policies. And I think he's starting to understand that he needs to go a little bit more to the left if he wants more Democrats to support him. Um, so I know that like was never in support of Medicare for all, um, but now he is trying to say, oh, well, I like Obamacare. We should build yeah. on that and be some better, you know, low cost options for people that can't afford private insurance. Um, I definitely support um, his policy that community college should be free. Um, I hope in the future we get to public universities being free, but um, yeah, he definitely has some stuff to work on. Um, I'm not particularly a fan of his military policies, um, but I'm anti-military, so it's to be expected. I think that, I mean, I've been doing a little bit of research on Biden. Obviously, I was just, once again, also, as I cannot vote, just a mindset of like, vote blue no matter who. So whoever mm -hmm. we were going to get, I was going to be happy because they were going to be better than Trump, because anyone yeah. is going to be better than Trump at this point. But I did do some research on his um, policies because both Delia, who I spoke to last week, and um, Edward and Ryan, who I spoke to on the first week, had were pretty against Biden and some of his policies and what he stands for. So I wanted to know, like, oh, what exactly are people against? So you said his military policies, but I also, I don't know, I just, I read about his climate change policies. He's very into green energy and clean energy for, to stop climate change. Um, he's also kind of, I feel like this is a very common thing for candidates in general to want to bring jobs back, especially during the pandemic. And one thing I, that stood out to me was just his plan for COVID-19. The fact that he has a plan when Trump seems <laughs> to have none is yeah. already a lot better and makes me feel more secure as him, with him as a candidate because he, mm -hmm. he actually knows what he's going to do if he gets elected. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of positives. Um, yeah, it's a good step in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I did read about him going towards affordable health care because obviously Bernie is a democratic socialist. So he talks about wanting free college and free health care. So at least Biden is going in the direction, like you said, towards wanting yeah. more of a affordable health care because it's obviously very needed right now. 
because I like to ask this every week just to see who <laughs> I'm talking to, what their opinions on, on Trump are. Um, you know, I was really, when I saw this question, I was really trying to think long and hard about something good to say about him. Because, <laughs> um, like, oh, like, we know this, he's racist, he's homophobic, he's, yep. like, we're seeing the fascist tendencies. Um, and that's really, like, I have a lot of trouble finding any good in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing I could think of was that he brought chocolate milk back to school. That's literally That's... the only good thing he has done in his <laughs> presidency. Yeah. Well, obviously, Trump has handled COVID very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. He's handled everything very poorly. Um, I just, I literally, like, just before we started, I watched this video where he, someone asked them, they're like, oh, so... Um, what do you think about our current situation with COVID? And he's like, we're getting it under control. And then the guy was like, well, no, you're not. You have thousands of people getting it, getting it and dying each day. And he's like, well, well, yeah, people are dying. It is what it is. And I was like, that is not what you say when 60,000 people a day are getting infected with a disease that can kill them. Just yeah. to make me I, hate how he's handling this more. Yeah, the way he treats, like, the news and, like, people who are reporting all these statistics, like, they're fake news, I think that's really dangerous, especially Mm -hmm. because there are, like, young conservatives in this country, and, like, because Obama was a Democratic president, Trump is, like, the first conservative president that they're, like, growing up under, Mm -hmm. and it's so dangerous, especially with this whole, like, Trump cult that has started with, you know, like, MAGA being, like, a brand that people you know define themselves as and I think it's just it's really dangerous um because like even like with Obama there was no one that was like buying shirts or hats that like had his slogan on it there weren't like like there were people who supported his presidency but there weren't like Obama fans that would like defend him to the ends of the earth and you know like put like Obama supporter or pro Obama in their Instagram bio so it's it's a new type of culture that he's created you know, people have said this before, but it's it's become a difference between conservatives and Republicans and Trump supporters. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of conservatives on other political podcasts that I've listened to, like Left, Right, and Center, at the Political Gap Fest, where they'll talk and these conservatives will be on and they'll be like, uh, just a disclaimer, I don't support Trump. And you're like, well, don't all conservatives support Trump? But they don't. There are a lot of conservatives that don't support Trump. The next thing I want to talk about was a little bit it was, I think it, everyone saw this video on Instagram of AOC, how she stood up and talked about how Representative Yoho um, said these horrible, horrible things about her on the steps of, you know, our capital. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was talking to my parents about this, and I was wondering, what can you do to a representative if you could? Like, what would you do to reprimand him? Obviously, what he did was wrong. What Yoho did was wrong. You know, you should never speak to a person like that, let alone your colleague, let alone, you know, your female colleague calling her a very sexist um, term. Obviously, his apology was was not even even an apology, really. he kind of just said, you know, I have a wife, I have daughters, and I respect God, which doesn't really have anything which, to do with what he with said women, what yeah. He did. Um, but at the end of the day, I really think that obviously this is an issue, but I don't think it's an issue that should be battled out like in the house or okay. like I don't, yeah, I don't think the house should really do anything. Um, I think you know, a majority of people 
acknowledged that it was wrong of what he did. And I really admired what AOC said and, you know, her response to his lack of apology. Yeah. Uh, but I just think, especially with COVID and the election coming up and what's happening with like the postal service, I honestly think that the house and all of Congress has more important things to worry about, at least for right now. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think it was just a matter of like thinking about how he just kind of got away with that lack yeah. of apology. And maybe if there wasn't, it doesn't need to be battled in the house or it doesn't need to be debated about, but I just think that there should be some sort of public, you know, like he should get up there and apologize for real, or we should cover this more, or we should just make it known that someone had done this just so we can stop this behavior from happening again. Because yeah, obviously, he definitely, sorry, he definitely should publicly apologize, but I really think that even if, you know, AOC made a, or, you know, news reporters or Nancy Pelosi, whatever, made a big deal and said, you know, you have to apologize. It's not going to be genuine because you can tell that he doesn't think he did anything wrong. I know, which is the problem. And it's just, I wish obviously that we didn't have people in Congress and in the House that think of women that way. And that the fact that in her, her formal address, she did say that Trump had told her to go back to her country and that this is just a pattern of behavior from everyone in the government, which mm-hmm. is bad. And I just, I wish that there was some way to not take attention away from what really matters, but, and not make him do a fake apology, but for him just to, for us to stop and make sure that it's known that behavior like that should not be tolerated in the federal government. If that makes Yeah, sense. absolutely. And it's just, I feel like it just connects to sexism today. I feel like there's obviously, no matter how hard people try to argue with women about feminism and um, how we do get equal pay and we do have equal rights, obviously, in some ways we do, we obviously have the same rights as men, but we're Mm -hmm. still getting underpaid and there's still so many different things. I remember being in AP World this year and having discussions about feminism with people in my grade and them, mostly guys, saying that it really isn't necessary for us to be feminists anymore because everything's fine. Yeah, I feel like that's the attitude with a lot of minority groups. Like, with Black people, it's like, well, segregation's not legal anymore, you can vote. Mm -hmm. With women, it's, you know, you can vote, you can have the same jobs as us. So obviously, there's no need to fight for you anymore, because this is, it's over. But it's obviously not over. Like, you know, there's still a gender pay gap. Women still face sexual harassment, either like, you know, on the streets or in the workplace, or really anywhere. and, you know, the, the fight's not over. There's still a lot that needs to be done. And just the fact that we have someone in office and have people like Yoho that d- just do this behavior on the, on the daily. And we're just like, well, okay, so now you can't tell me that we get equal pay and that we don't need feminism anymore when this is still happening in a job as renowned as being a representative for the United States of America. So yeah. it definitely just brings back to, like, just how much sexism there really is in the world. We can move on to the topic that you brought up to me and saying I'm always <laughs> down to talk about socialism. So what do you want to talk about socialism about? Um, okay, so first, I feel like it's really important to talk about a lot of people who are anti-socialists, both on the left and on the right, because obviously mm-hmm. there are status quo Democrats that don't like socialism at all. Um, a lot of them really it's not that they don't like socialism, it's that they're afraid of the word. 
because you know especially as someone who just took AP World like you think of socialism and maybe you think of China or the Soviet Union or maybe Venezuela and well the Soviet Union and China weren't socialist nations um but like that's not really what socialism is about. Socialism is about putting the collective before the individual and making sure that everyone in a society can have, you know, food and water and a house and, you know, money and making sure that they're not on the streets or, you know, hungry and making sure everyone has access to what they need to live happy, successful, safe lives. Um, I think that's the thing. I think if we took the, away the word socialism and instead of using a, an economic ideology and instead we just started talking policy, I think a lot of people would find that they're more quote unquote socialist than they think they are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, okay, so I define myself as a socialist mm-hmm. and like I'm, I don't want to seize the means of production. I don't want to abolish the government. I just want basic things like Medicare for all and free public education and a universal basic income. And I just, I wanna make sure that there aren't people who aren't getting what they need simply because they don't have a job or because they're disabled and it's you know more difficult for them to get what they need because they have less resources than we do. Yeah, I think especially like with other countries, I know Delia talked about this last week, Like in Western Europe, they have a lot of policies that would be under a quote-unquote socialist society, and they're doing kind of a lot better than America is. They have safer people, happier people, healthier people. Um, And I think, you know, it's 2020, and I think it's time that America kind of caught up to that and started going in that direction. I agree. I just think that, unfortunately, what people associate socialism with now is communism. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's not a huge distinction for a lot of people between the two. And then they get kind of clouded and they think, well, oh, if you're a socialist, you want to abolish the government or you want to make, you know, you want to have all of these very more communist policies. Like think of socialism, it's not the same thing as communism. When you think of communism, obviously you think of like China, which is a communist society or Soviet Union, which is communist. Or I remember being in an AP readiness class where they talked about the distinction between socialism and communism being between cows and being like, okay, if you're a socialist, you're going to have these cows, but you're not going to say that everyone owns the cows. You're going to say that I own the cows at the same time. I'm going to give these cows to the government and the government in return is going to give me free health care and free college. And this is what I'm doing like with the cows and the government versus like with a communist society, you would say, oh, we all own the cows. We're all in the same thing. We all, you know, everything for everyone. Everything's the same. That's different. And I think a lot of conservatives and a lot of people that don't really know socialism just think they're the same. And that's a big problem today. To use a popular meme format to connect with the kids better, (laughs) um, communism is when no iPhone. Socialism is when everyone iPhones. Yes. All of them. Um, Because obviously I think we have so many people out there that 
are so incredibly wealthy because of our more capitalist economy, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. And reading Jeff Bezos's net worth makes me want to scream because it's 184 billion, and oh. that is a number that no one, no man, oh single person God. should be able to obtain. So I just think the fact that we have those billionaires and the fact that we have billionaires in general and these mm-hmm. people are just it's because of because of we're more capitalist and because we're allowing people to have these giant businesses that own everything mm-hmm. and like Amazon and Facebook where they can just make so much money and if we had a more socialist economy and if we had more of these socialist policies I don't think we'd be in that same situation where someone would be that rich and not do what with their money what we want them to do with their money exactly yeah um i just like we can't like we as humans can't can't even comprehend like what a million is and there's absolutely no way that we can comprehend what a billion is right i you know you've heard all that thing like a million seconds is something like a couple days or something and like Mm -hmm. a billion seconds is 32 years like yes i saw that huge difference and like, there's no way to ethically make that much money um, to bring it. This is like a quote that I really like and I kind of live by. Um, if, if one man has a dollar he didn't work for, some other man worked for a dollar he didn't get. Yeah. And so you think of like Jeff Bezos, who is worth, you know, $184 billion. And then you think of the people who work in Amazon warehouses making minimum wage working long hours in horrible conditions. A lot of those warehouses don't have air conditioning. Um, And then their bathrooms are like super far apart from each other. So people like spend their whole break time just going to and from the restroom. And you think like, how could a man who has so much money care so little about the people that make him the money? Um, And it's just, it's, like, I, it stresses me out because it's, so, <laughs> I don't blame it's so you. unethical and I don't understand how people could treat other people like that. Um, personally, like I'm in favor of like a 99% tax rate on like anything over $5 million because mm-hmm. I think even in LA when housing is ridiculously expensive, you could live a year with your income being $5 million. And I think anything over that well, you know, obviously not as extreme as something like Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. It's certainly a lot. You do not need that much when there are people starving on the street. A lot of um, these policies of the Trump administration, these tax cuts and everything have just been for the wealthy and they really haven't helped us. So we have these tax cuts that they say are going to help the lower class, but end up just benefiting the the um, the upper class, and then not doing anything for the middle class, which is the majority of our population in, in the U.S. is our middle class citizens. And it's the top, you know, 1% here that mm-hmm. we're talking about with Jeff Bezos and these people that don't get taxed for as much as they should with all of the money that they have and the money that they can use to pay taxes when there are people that are struggling to pay taxes. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of arguments against certain socialist pro- uh, policies like Medicare for all or free public education are all like, well, where's this money coming from? Like, well, if we just <laughs> asked people who made more money than they could possibly spend in a lifetime, we certainly have a lot of money to fund these programs. And it would suddenly be a lot easier to get this done. It just going back to that thing you said about like 
a billion seconds, whatever being 32 years, I don't think people realize the big gap between a million and a billion. When we yeah. think of like a million, we're like, oh, that's a lot. And then a billion, you're like, oh, that's close to a, a million, right? But it's not. Yeah. It's not. There's a so, such a big difference between millionaires and billionaires. And the fact that we have billionaires at all just shows that we need people we need more of a socialist economy so that we don't have that, so that money goes where it needs to be, which is for free healthcare and hopefully free college. And um, to people that work so hard to make so little money, minimum wage. But I did read that um, Biden wants to up minimum wage to $15 and the fact that, yeah, which is good because minimum better. wage is so low. It's yeah, so it's like low. $7.25, that, that's insane that it's, it's like making that money an hour versus these people who I think I read just now that Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, because of um, just they, they recovered from the coronavirus recession, they made $14 billion yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is insane. <laughs> and one day these people can make up billions of dollars from their companies just and when people are struggling to make you know like said seven dollars an hour so it's it's just insane that we have to live in a society where there are people like that and where people still support capitalism because they want you know everyone every man for themselves and everyone to have opportunity to become rich and powerful but when really with with socialism we're just trying to make everyone have an opportunity to get money and to live yeah versus becoming rich (laughs) yeah and it's such an american viewpoint to be like every man for themselves like you know, it's about you. It's not about your community. Like mm-hmm. individualism over collectivism is like a very unique American viewpoint. And I think it's time that we like as Americans or we as the government, like realize that putting our putting ourselves before other people isn't getting us anywhere. It's taking us back. And meanwhile, the, all these other countries that are saying, you know, well, we need to support the lower class before we support this one person you know, it brings them into where everyone can be supported instead of focusing on specific groups. Yeah, and I think we don't just, we see that with not just money and the lower class versus the upper class, but we see that now with masks, where people, that same like individualism thing where I don't need to wear a mask because I, whatever, am susceptible, um, <laughs> uh, or I am young, or I know I'm healthy, so I can't get the coronavirus, when really the masks aren't just going to help you, they're going to help the people you infect when you get coronavirus, or the people that you can infect because you're asymptomatic. Um, wear a mask. This is not America, but this is global politics, even though Trump has had comments on this. I was watching John Oliver last night or two nights ago because John Oliver is someone you should watch if you want to learn about politics and also have a laugh because he's funny. Um, where one of the big topics that they, that they discussed was the Uyghurs and Chinese concentration camps. And as a fellow Jew, um, you must know that hearing concentration camp in daily news obviously it does not strike a good chord. Hearing that that's still happening and that people can still make concentration camps and get away with it, even though it is China, and that's a totally different government than ours, um, it's crazy. So pretty much what's happening is these Turkic-speaking Muslims who live in China in an um, area called Xinjiang, which uh, has a big population of Uyghurs, They've always kind of been discriminated against, especially by the current Chinese president, who would just make their area super populated with surveillance and police and 
would arrest them for crazy things um, that didn't really have to do with anything just because they don't like them, which is obviously to, seems to me like stages of genocide. Um, and then now to push it over the edge, they started putting these people in what they call um, vocational training camps. But vocational training camps really meaning basically concentration camps where these people are being forced to learn communist doctrines and to try to forget about their religion and their culture and are being, you know, tortured when they, shocked when they um, want to go to the bathroom and they do something wrong and they have to be quick and they have to, you know, do all these things that just resembles a concentration camp. So when you heard about this, what did you think about it? Um, so yeah, so I'm Jewish and when I learned about the Holocaust in Hebrew school, like obviously the very horrible thing and like, you know, Jews were made to like either pretend to be Christian to like stay in hiding or, you know, they were tortured or whatever. And it's just to know that this is happening in the modern day. It's so like, like it strikes such a personal chord mm -hmm. and it's so disheartening to see not only that it's happening, but the lack of response from, or the lack of a quick response from America. Um, like one of the things that they're doing in the camps is that they're making these, these people who are Muslims eat pork and like drink Ugh. alcohol, which they can't do um, in, according to their religion. And like, I keep kosher and the thought of someone doing that to me, of forcing me to do something that I don't do because I think it brings me closer to my religion is so horrifying and I can't even comprehend what these people are going through and not only what's happening right now but like what happened before the camps were built and what's going to happen after with the intergenerational trauma and you know all these people who are being tortured and traumatized like not only is their present horrifying but their future will be too and I think it's just, it's very scary to know that this can happen again, that it is happening again. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's just, it is horrifying. And the fact that right now they don't kill them, but who knows when they will start killing them? Because like I said, it just mirrors these stages of genocide where we start out with people that don't really like them because they're Muslim and then because they're different. And now then they heavy surveillance over there, I really can't speak today, <laughs> over their populated areas in Xinjiang because they just believe that these people are going to be terrorists and they have this mindset that we're stopping terrorism before it happens, which is incredibly racist for them to think that because these people are Muslims and because they aren't traditional Chinese people and they aren't communists, that they're going to be terrorists and that they have to stop that terrorism from happening. And I remember seeing on that John Oliver segment, this woman who was in these concentration camps or these vocational camps for years, separated from her daughter, and they were trying to interview her with her daughter saying like, oh, what does it feel like to be back with your daughter? And what does it feel like to be back with your mom? And she just burst into tears. She could not handle it because she was separated from her family for so long. And that is so incredibly horrible just the fact that people need to be separated from their family and they need to be uprooted from their homes to live in prison-like facilities which just so closely mirrors the holocaust and like you said just just strikes a personal chord and also like speaking of people comparing what's happening now to the holocaust mm -hmm. um 
I think obviously it's a correct thing to say because these are very clearly concentration camps. Mm -hmm. um, and it is so closely related to what Nazi Germany did to the Jews. Um, but I also think that kind of on a separate subject, but a related subject, that people are, especially in America, are really quick to make Holocaust comparisons. Um, obviously, in this case, it's correct. But I think to the people who are listening, who use Holocaust comparisons, not only to what's happening now, but in other situations, um, to just be careful, because it's very easy to use. It's one of the most widely known, you know, genocides. Most of us are taught at least a little bit about it in school. Um, so it's very easy, but we can't ignore the, the historical context in what happened in Nazi Germany and also what's happening now, because anti-Semitism still exists today, even if there's not, you know, a Holocaust happening. And it's very telling when people are so quick to be like, Holocaust, Holocaust, it's the Holocaust, but with different people. It's a Holocaust, but in a different country. And then when anti-Semitism happens, they don't care or they don't speak out against anything. Um, so obviously what's happening now to the Uyghurs, what's happening in China is heartbreaking and it's horrible. It's, you know, definitely a genocide or the beginnings of one at least. Um, but I just think if, when you make Holocaust comparisons to be careful and also acknowledge that the Jews in the Holocaust were largely not sent to concentration camps, they were sent to death camps, which are different. Concentration camps, usually when people die in concentration camps, they don't die because they were put to death, they die from either disease or lack of food or you know dehydration or something like that. But death camps are specifically to kill the people that are put there. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really, it's definitely something people like to do because we learn about it and it's the biggest genocide. When you ask someone, when you think about genocide, the, they'll most likely say the Holocaust because it's the biggest one we think of. Yeah, and the fact that anti-Semitism, I remember um, talking about this and didn't make into one of the podcasts, but the Jewish privilege hashtag, which mm -hmm. was just blatantly anti-Semitism on Twitter. Yeah. And the fact that we still have to deal with that, even though our, our people, you know, like, fought for their own country, Israel, we still need to deal with people saying anti-Semitism and then having that one guy, um, that one politician in a different country make his opponent's nose bigger, his Jewish opponent's nose bigger, because that's mm -hmm. a Jewish stereotype with the big noses. And, you know, with people like Deshaun Jackson in the NFL quoting what he thought was Hitler, because he wanted to quote Hitler, because he wanted to say these things about the Jews. It's horrifying. Yeah, well, I, at least in Deshaun Jackson's case, I'm glad that he realized that what he did was wrong and that he's getting yes. the education. And I also, the especially with, I mean, Deshaun Jackson is obviously an issue um, because, you know, he quoted some anti-Semitic rhetoric. Um, but I also think we need to talk about, like, the Madonnas, who I'm talking about as, like, a noun, um, who, you know, culturally appropriate Jewish culture and don't get called out on it. And I think um, it's a little dangerous right now, especially with Black Lives Matter and everything that's happening, that when we call out Black people who are anti-Semitic, we also make sure that we are calling out the white people who are anti-Semitic. Yes. Madonna and Seth Rogen. Um and like we acknowledge that they're 
are Jews of color, um, even if they are not a majority of Jews, there, there are millions of Jews of color in America and around the world. And um, just making sure we're including that intersectionality. Yeah, it, it just going back to the Uyghurs and what's happening in China, we have Trump, and you had said that you were disappointed in kind of the lack of action that the mm-hmm. United States has taken. He did take action in June, I believe it was June 7th, when he, or earlier, later, that he signed a law that is aims to punish China for their treatment of the Uyghurs, but at the same time, he also recently before that, there's a rumor, probably is true, that he had said that they should just go ahead with building the camps because it was the right thing to do. So it took him to be pressured after people found out that he had said that for him to go and take action against this horrible, horrible thing. And like um, when originally, the first time the UN condemned China for what they were doing, um, the U.S. did not participate. It was a lot of European countries um, and then some in Asia. And the U.S. was, they didn't say anything. They didn't sign the condemnation or anything. And it was only until later when Trump said something. And I think that says a lot, Um, especially because you look at what's happening in like the ICE detention centers in America. And um, those are also certainly concentration camps. Um, And so you see like, well, obviously, if you're doing it, why are you going to get mad at other people for doing it as well? Of course. For different people. Um, So, yeah. I, I, it's horrible, but it's not unexpected. Going on to our next topic uh, with China, we have the TikTok ban, the infamous TikTok ban, which has not happened what was supposed to happen on Saturday, according to Trump. Um, so the first thing I just want to say is, do you think TikTok will get banned? <laughs> Absolutely not. I think the yeah. latest thing that he said was that they had until September or like, okay. I don't know, that he was going to ban it sometime in September. Um, but I know that Microsoft is working on buying the U.S. like side of TikTok, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if they'll do that. Um, probably because you know billionaires and right. how they like to own lots of things. Yes, um, but whether <laughs> like or not monopoly. It happens, I I don't think it'll get banned. Um, I think this is just a way to get more attention for Trump, um, especially like Gen Z attention. Oh, I think so too, and I think that. If you ask a conservative or a Trump supporter about the TikTok ban, they will say immediately that, of course, it's China taking our information and giving it to the communist Chinese government. When really, do we have any evidence, solid evidence, that says that China is taking our information from these girls and guys dancing on TikTok apps and making videos, comedic videos, or like creating videos of like tiny pancakes I don't have TikTok I just get all this information from the outside sources um like do you really think that these people are gonna get your information and is there any evidence that they're gonna take this information or that they have in the past well I think think like other social media apps it certainly knows too much um oh yeah there are you know like things that if you have your location services on like it can track where you are or it can track like texts or calls that you make I haven't looked into that. I don't know how true that is, but I also know that whatever TikTok is doing, it's nothing that Facebook and Instagram aren't already doing to your phone. Honestly. The only difference is that it's an American company versus a Chinese company. I think so too. I think that we have Mark Zuckerberg, um, who recently, we all, I remember, I think this was recent, maybe it was last year, where everything came out that (laughs) Facebook was taking a bunch of information from you. And we've all known that Facebook takes a lot of 
too much information from yeah. us. And the fact that if it's Mark Zuckerberg, Donald Trump's good old friend, the Zuckerberg, um, is he going to ban Facebook? No. But if it's China taking your information, if it's the mm-hmm. communist government um, taking your information, of course we have to ban it. And and there's also a sense of me that, and a lot of people who think that, well, if you're going to ban TikTok, is it really because of China? Or is it because Gen Z loves to mess with your um, the rallies and they like to buy out a bunch of seats and they like to make fun of you because you're stupid? Yeah. Like, is it <laughs> is it really you getting upset and saying tweeting about how it's not fair for people to make memes about you and get you trending on twitter because it's illegal um are you just upset about that are you upset about you just and you're giving it like a oh it's china so then we'll get a bunch of people on my side if i say it's china yeah um and also like i know um i'm personally on the political side of tiktok Mm -hmm. um and i know that there was a lot of information about the protests about um, Chaz about mm-hmm. um, what was happening in Portland with the federal agents and a lot of that stuff like I didn't see it on like my, my parents watch CNN but I didn't really yes. see it on CNN I didn't really see it in like my news alerts like I saw it on TikTok um, and I think that says something about our, our mainstream news but I also think that could be another reason why he doesn't like it is because you know when the media won't report something there's someone who lives down the street from where the federal agents are who is filming and is posting it on TikTok about mm-hmm. what's happening. Also, I saw a lot of things when it first came out when that news, or not the first, but when the news came out that um, Trump was going to ban it like this Saturday, which didn't happen. And he was like, everyone was like, well, I'm glad that our country, our um, president wants to ban TikTok before he bans guns or before he gets kids out of um, ice concentration camps. Like the fact that that is the initiative he's taking but before doing anything that will really benefit us. Like, mm-hmm. is TikTok an immediate threat? Is banning TikTok something that's going to immediately change everything in our country? No. Yeah. Is helping, is banning guns going to help? Probably. If <laughs> Is taking some initiative against coronavirus going to help? Yes. So it's just yeah, that, it's too. Like, what's more important, Mark? And like making the KKK a terrorist organization or banning an app? Right? Like... The fact that the KKK, that um, David Duke is allowed to have a Twitter, and that um, the KKK is not a terrorist organization, but TikTok will be banned. It's also borderline, like, it's going into this whole thing that just shows that Trump could have the capacity to be, to be an authoritarian dictator. Like, mm-hmm. banning apps is not something that we do in America only because it's freedom of speech <laughs> and we have freedom of the press and we have these freedoms that are embedded in our constitution. But of course, banning that is almost kind of taking those away. I guess the final topic we'll talk about here is I always like to kind of ask um, my guests a little bit about themselves. And I know that I hope that this is something that is open knowledge for you and that you're comfortable with me talking yeah. about being an LGBTQ teen in um today in 2020 so i just want you whatever you want to say about being an lgbtq teen and being a member of that community in the current day what is that like um so i definitely like i know that my experience has been different and a lot Mm -hmm. easier than most other people um because you know i'm from california i'm from la um so i didn't really have like a lot of struggles that i know a lot of um teens do in more conservative or rural areas. Like I started coming out to my friends at school in eighth grade. Um, 
And like, it wasn't like a secret that I ever really kept at school. Um, and like, there have been, you know, the occasional negative comment or whatever. But other than that, like, I'm in a really privileged place because I've never really experienced any like outward like hate. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's not the case for a lot of teens um, around the country. Um, but I think right now, um, I mean, homophobia is definitely a thing around the country. Um, of course. You know, there are people who it's abomination or you're going to hell or that it's, you know, explicit, even if it's nothing like, you know, sexual or whatever. Um, but I really think right now, the people in the community that are facing a lot of hardships is the trans community. Um, mm-hmm. With what Trump is doing with transgender healthcare and... Yep that's just it's heartbreaking because these women they just want to be treated like women they want to be treated like people and they can't be and it's so horrible and like the fact that there's like an epidemic of violence against trans people especially black trans women there are it's august beginning of august and there have already been 25 trans people murdered this year and most of them like 21 of them are black trans women and that's so horrible that people feel like they hate these people for who they are so much that they need to like commit acts of violence against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking. And especially because justice usually isn't found for these people because, you know, the anti-police, but they usually don't care as much about these uh, minorities as they do about other people, other crimes, other things. Um, so I know like my personal experience hasn't really been that difficult, but I know for the larger community, it's definitely a struggle. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it was someone in my grade just wrote, posted something about homophobia being, a you know, um, just slightly delayed because we need coronavirus. Coronavirus patients need blood from gay men. So now, now, now that they're allowed, yeah. now they're allowed to give blood. Like bef- that they couldn't before is what is it? Were we still in the eighties with the AIDS epidemic where people yeah, having gay people were transmitting AIDS? Like since like the nineties or the early two thousands, there have been there's been the technology to screen blood for AIDS for other diseases, but it was just simple homophobia that gay men or it's a man who has slept with a man or uh, someone who has slept with a man who has slept with a man. Yeah. Donate blood. Once, like we were talking about before that people just believe that there's, there's nothing like now that you can get married in America, that there's nothing that yeah. gay people have to fight for. But of course they do. There's so much discrimination. Yeah. Discrimination every day. In the workplace and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gay panic defense that is still legal in the majority of states. Uh, which is horrible conversion camps that are still legal in a lot of states which Mm -hmm. is should be illegal everywhere conversion therapy does not work we know we just need to accept people for who they are because that's who they are and if you identify as a woman but you were originally a man then that's who you are like we shouldn't deny health care coverage we shouldn't do anything we should just Mm -hmm. accept people for who they are yeah, it's so important, like from a young age, like kids need to mm-hmm. be taught, like it doesn't matter the color of your skin, like your religion, who you love, who you were born as versus who you are now, like just treat people with kindness, treat people with yeah. people. There's, you know, 
they're people. We need to always treat people with kindness. I think that's a good place to end this. Thank you so much for coming on the Zoom and talking with me. It's been a while since I've talked to you, so it's cool to see you again. Yeah. This has been Left, Right, and In Between, a political podcast for teens and everyone by teens. I've been your host, Maddie Bichelle. Um, today I had with me Rachel Pistol. You can find Left, Right, and In Between on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, and probably soon to come to Spotify. We shall see. Um, thank you so much. Again, I'm sorry that I ruined that, that outro. <laughs>